Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast, episode 20. This is going to be centered around lawsuit updates, and I am flying solo today. Tony is unavailable to make it due to some prior commitments, so it's going to be a lot of me talking, um, so feel free to grab like a cup of tea, coffee, make yourself comfortable. Um, I have a lot of updates, but first I wanted to apologize because it has been about two weeks since we last posted, and it's because I have had a lot of legal stuff going on that has taken me away. And I just haven't had the bandwidth, the time to make an episode and write a script, sit down and record. And so I am very sorry that we are delayed. Um, It was not ideal timing, but things with lawsuits and legal stuff, they're never ideal timing. So I'm very, very sorry for being behind. I've just been swamped and it's been soul sucking. And if I wasn't doing legal things, I was sleeping or working. So if anyone wonders what, you know, hashtag lawsuit life is, this is it. So the last few few weeks, we left off with an episode about multi-generational bigamy. So we've been going really deep into my family's past. And so for those of you who may not have had the opportunity to listen to those episodes, my father was a bigamist, and so was my grandfather and great-grandfather. And no, we have no connection to the Mormon religion. We're all Irish Catholics. So it was just this kind of repeat family crime, <laughs> I guess, that happened. And so it's a multi-generational thing. So it's I think it's good that we were so far in the back in the past and kind of digging deep into what that multi-generational trauma was. And now we're back in the present where we're still kind of in the middle of traumatic experiences and kind of thinking about my family and what we've gone through, where we're at now, and hopefully looking forward to, you know, a better future. So I shared this before, but there was a motion to dismiss back in March, and I covered that in a bonus episode. And it was very odd because the caregiver and her attorney lied to us because they said they were filing a motion to mediate and it turned into a motion to dismiss. So that was very professionally, like, not cool. So I had a few options and I had a meeting with my attorneys to kind of discover you know, what those options could be, what the risks are, and what might be a good path to move forward. And I actually took the option that no one thought I would. Even my mom was a little shook. Everybody was a little shook. So essentially, I agreed to settle and end the lawsuit. And everyone might ask, why would you do that? So it shocked everyone. It even shocked my attorneys. They were like, wait, what? (laughs) We spoke yesterday. You were kind of leaning in a different direction. And yes, but you have to trust your intuition. I remember leaving my attorney's office and just being on the drive home and just knowing that that was intuitively the right path to take, right? And so there are also some other things I have been working on that will bring some sense of justice to this case, right? So. 
this is low hanging fruit, essentially. This specific lawsuit has never been the war for me, right? It's been just a battle in a bigger war. And I have mentally moved on to the next three to four battles in my mind. So I try not to look at this lawsuit as the center, you know, the the big determining factor of everything because it's much, much bigger than that. And if you've listened to prior episodes, you know that this is a very complicated situation. There's just a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of companies involved. So it's like, I have to think, you know, what is the big picture here? And what is the low hanging fruit? And in that moment, that was the low hanging fruit was to do what I can to finish this lawsuit so I can move on to other things to kind of help alleviate the situation and have some sense of justice. So there's one part of the future that I am so excited for. And it's something that really feels like it will actually restore that justice and it will actually help my family just heal in so many different ways and just essentially restore us and hopefully heal that multi-generational trauma too. I can't share what it is right now, but it kind of, it depends. I don't know when I'm going to be able to share it to be really transparent, but it's something that has given me just a really strong boost of hope. So stay tuned. I (laughs) really don't like leaving people on cliffhangers. So I apologize for that, but just for the integrity of what's going on, I like to keep some things close to the chest. So the process of agreeing to dismiss the lawsuit, again, I'm not an attorney and I'm sure as hell not giving you legal advice. I just know my situation. I know the options that were presented to me. So this is all based on my situation. So if you have a legal situation, do not rely on me. Like, go get like a legit attorney. Okay. Um, But basically the process means when you agree to dismiss a case, it means you work on a settlement agreement and you have more control over the language in the agreement than a judge would in a dismissal. So if you decide to pursue the hearing and See what the judge says. It's the judge's determination. If there's merit to a case to continue or if it should be dismissed. If they dismiss it, they select their own language, which could be harmful, right? So that was one reason. That was a factor, I should say. It wasn't the primary reason, but it was a factor why I decided to go the way I did. Because we all know, I say it all the time, I don't trust attorneys and I don't trust judges. So that was, it was the safest bet, essentially. So the settlement is confidential and it's sealed. And it's funny because when you think about all these celebrities that get in lawsuits and it'll be like, oh, the settlement is confidential and like sealed and but we think it's this amount, you know, like it's interesting because I always thought that people like one side demands it like that's part of the settlement agreement is that both parties agree that it's confidential or one demands it and the other agrees to it. Like, I I don't know what I thought, but apparently it's just kind of at least in Washington state, it's automatically sealed and confidential. So you can agree to the release of it to some entities, but it is very limited in what you can release. So you basically write out what you want and you work from there. So we made a verbal agreement in March about, gosh, two or three weeks after the motion to dismiss. And now it's the end of June, like we're heading into July. 
So that's just typical of how long these things can take. So honestly, from March, like June now is like kind of a blur for me. But in April, we moved forward and we got, you know, some settlement language together. It's been a very slow process. And then we were going back and forth and then we got a more firm settlement draft from the other side. And in May, I think it was on May 16th or May 15th. And it was wild. My attorneys were like, this is weird. We have never seen an agreement like this. Like, this is so utterly bizarre. There were some parts in it that just didn't make sense. There were really weird demands. So we made our draft, right? And we've just been going back and forth ever since. So we've been in pretty extensive like mediation over details. It's exhausting, but I think the caregiver is shocked that I agreed to dismiss and she wants to know why. And she's freaking out. And I guess my response to that is then you shouldn't have committed crimes and then maybe you wouldn't have anxiety. So there's that. But then, of course, in the middle of all this, like this big bomb is dropped on me because if if you've been a listener, you kind of see a trend in my life and my family that things will be wild. And then all of a sudden, there's just another bomb that goes off. So one day, my attorney emails me and says, the life insurance company just filed a suit against you and the caregiver. So they've been holding the life insurance proceedings this entire time, which is actually very cool of them. They are understandably upset we haven't reached an agreement. And apparently the money amount, the actual like money that they are storing is accumulating interest. So it's actually growing. So the amount is, I would say, pretty significantly higher than what it actually was at the day of my dad's death, right? And they have to pay it all out. They can't withhold that interest, right? And so they don't want that interest to continue to build because then they're going to have to pay out more. So it's nothing personal. It's nothing against me or the caregiver. It's really just a business move on their part. Um, So I don't take it personally. Um, The caregiver, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how they took it, but... I am just like, you know, this makes sense for their company at this time, you know. Um, But my attorney explained to their legal team that the caregiver's attorney has delayed our process so much. And that is why we have not reached a settlement agreement. Because if you remember, I actually did make a settlement offer back in November and they just ignored that. So the life insurance legal team was like, wow, how truly bizarre. Okay, you know, we'll back off a little bit. So there was a hearing scheduled for June 16th, but they canceled the hearing the day before. And their stance is as long as we get the settlement done in a timely fashion, you know, they'll be fine. So the clock is ticking. The clock is very much ticking. So a good question here would be, what happens if the caregiver doesn't agree to the settlement I have offered now? My response to that would be she's honestly not a very bright person if she doesn't. 
someone made a really excellent comment on our Instagram that this caregiver is a nefarious person who really does have bad and malicious intent, but they're not actually intelligent enough to make what they want happen. And I definitely agree with that. So with this, if the caregiver doesn't agree to this settlement and we don't settle this in a timely fashion, the life insurance company would engage in a federal proceeding called interpleader, which would be very, very messy. Essentially, a federal court would decide who gets what, and the caregiver would probably be eliminated because this interpleader federal court, they tend to rely more on lines of succession, right? Um, But the interesting part is that her son would be a part of that process. But remember, she lied to the life insurance company and fraudulently said that her son was my father's son, even though he is not the biological or adopted son. And that is what their policy is, that a child has to be biological or adopted. He is neither. So she committed fraud with the life insurance company. But because they're so scared of this situation, because it's so volatile, it's so unique, it's so weird, they're not like removing him, right? Because they're just a little like, oh, yikes, these people need to figure it out in civil court. And then, you know, a year and a half or whatever later, we still haven't figured it out. So they're like, okay, let's file this suit and try to get this money off our hands because it does become a liability for them. But if it goes into this interpleader action, he would be considered like a potential heir in the eyes of the law. But it would be really easy to eliminate him because we have the affidavit from her saying he is not the biological or adopted, you know, son of my father. So it's easy to eliminate him and it'd be easy to eliminate her too, right? So then my sister and I would get everything, which sounds amazing, right? Which is, it sounds like how it should be, right? Except interpleader is absolutely astronomical with court fees. I have been doing extensive research on it and it would eat up probably more than half the life insurance and the ballpark figure for like a full interpreter action from like start to finish has been, you know, anywhere between 130 to $500,000 to complete. So it was obviously more strategic to do a settlement agreement, but at the same time, I also really had to and have to mentally accept the reality that this federal interpleader process is a possibility. So it's really the caregiver's gamble, right? She stands to lose it all in interpleader since, like I shared, they rely on line of succession more. So there's that part. And so she's also 71 years old, right? So she needs to look at herself and her life and think critically I'm 71. I'm assuming she has health issues. You know, at that age, I'm sure everybody does. Does she really want to spend what little life she has, like in federal court, fighting over this? And maybe she does. You know, I can't speak for her. Like I've shared, I've never met her. I don't know her. And I couldn't pick her out of a crowd because I don't even know what she looks like. But any reasonable person would not want to spend you know, their, what little time they have left, you know, fighting in court, right? Who knows? Maybe she does. But um, I've gotten some questions about the settlement and if it will be made public in any way, shape or form. And I don't think so. And if it actually is made public, both of us, 
would risk being in violation of it and get sued. So like, let's say she decides to post it on social media, right? Um, and I am not sure if she has social media or anything, but let's say she did, right? Um, I could sue her for that. Alternatively, if I posted like a picture of it on our Instagram, I could get sued for that. So these they take it very seriously about the confidential nature of the agreement. Um, that being said, I did agree that she can release the agreement to Adult Protective Services, but releasing it to them doesn't change anything. You know, they're still legally obligated to conduct an investigation regardless of a civil suit or the outcome of a civil suit. And same thing with law enforcement, right? This agreement does not end any investigations. And Lord knows there's a lot of investigations happening right now. Like I've never fully disclosed who and what exactly I've reported her to, but like trust, it is a lot. Like, I know my resources. I literally anything you can report somebody to, she's been reported. And I've never, I've never even disclosed the entire list to my attorneys. So there's a lot of investigations happening. So this agreement doesn't change that. It does not end investigations. So I think that she thinks it will. I think she's hoping that it will but it won't. So there's that. You can't stop those trains. So sure, she's getting some money and that sucks because it feels like I'm rewarding someone for really, really bad behavior, but she isn't escaping the situation as a collective. So the civil suit will end, but there's still so much in progress and potentially upcoming depending on the outcome of these investigations. But if she does try to wave this agreement around as some proof that she didn't do anything, I will pursue legal action for that. It doesn't say she didn't do anything, but at the same time, I could see her not having the ability to understand that this agreement doesn't really mean anything with that, right? And that she might interpret it as, oh, this means all the investigations are closed and like I'm, you know, innocent or whatever. And it, absolutely does not. It just takes care of the civil matter. It does not take care of like the criminal matter or the other pieces. Another question I've gotten kind of lately about it. Uh, again, people have noticed that we haven't been posting and <laughs> they had some questions and, you know, I love answering y'all's questions, so always keep them coming. Um, somebody asked, do you anticipate more legal action? And absolutely I do. There were companies involved that failed their own policies, like the life insurance paying me and then three months later demanding that money back and threatening me. And they admitted it in their own subpoena that they really messed up with me. So it's fascinating to read that subpoena and like read the email exchange of what was going on behind closed doors. It is just really interesting. I think one day I will release those. I haven't done it yet just because the lawsuit's been and I just want to be careful. But when this is done, so much more tea is going to come out. Um, I've poured a lot of tea, but there's still some tea. Like, <laughs> let's just have a tea party, okay? Like, there's there's a lot more coming out. So it's just like, it's been interesting. Like, looking back on what the life insurance company did to me is was such a crazy situation, right? Because they gave me a huge sum of money and three months later, demanded it back and threatened to report it to the IRS as income, right? And when I went to my bank to withdraw the money, 
I basically had to sign a form saying I wasn't being held hostage and a special vice president had to come down and take the funds out. And they kept, they were worried it was a scam. Like they basically held me hostage in that bank for like two hours while they like talked to a bunch of people and they're like, we've never heard of anything like this before. That was really stressful. That was a big like PTSD trigger. And I know it sounds so weird, but for me, it was like, reliving the bigamy thing over again and if you've been through like repeated trauma you kind of know what I mean by that you know like it's hard to explain and I know I don't have to explain myself to anyone but it's also like you have a traumatic incident and you become hyper vigilant in some ways and then all of a sudden another traumatic incident is unfolding like And you're like, how bad is this going to get? Because I know it's going to be bad because it's been bad in the past. So that incident was a big turning point for this whole case. And just a big turning point for me, because that's when I knew that this was going to get really, really ugly. And it did. (laughs) It just went very downhill from there. So it was, I knew, I just knew it was going to be the start of a crazy situation. So in short, yes, I do anticipate more legal action. Um, absolutely for pain and suffering from the life insurance company, because I, I have suffered, (laughs) I have really suffered through all this. And somebody asked me a really sweet question recently about how are you doing with like the, these mediations and all this, like going back and forth. And honestly, it's so draining. It's so exhausting. Like I said earlier, it will suck your soul out. Um, But I feel good about where it is. And I feel hopeful that she will sign and agree to it because there is significant risk if she doesn't. So I'm trying to find this balance of accepting the reality that this could go on. It could drag on with the interpleading action. And then another part of me thinks it could literally end tomorrow. She could just agree to everything and email her attorney and then her attorney will email mine tomorrow. So it's just kind of a weird, it is a weird place. I don't put all my eggs in any baskets. I've learned not to, but it is weird to know that this could end tomorrow or it could end in like two years. (laughs) So it's like, you don't know, right? It's just finding that balance, but it has been a really emotional month. My dad's headstone was completed and placed and the people at the cemetery are so so nice they offered once again to cremate the blanket that the caregiver sent me that my dad died in because we all know she won't give me the ashes so having that headstone makes his death really more real in a way so it's just been emotional because it's just like you know it's this physical symbol of like his life his death and obviously so much has happened so it's just it's just been a time like I am exhausted and even right now I'm tired and I feel like oh these poor people listening to this podcast like I am rambling so we sent out the most recent settlement offer last night actually my attorney sent it out at like 10 30 last night so we'll see obviously the caregiver's attorney is notorious for ghosting so maybe we won't hear anything for a couple months but they run a lot of risk with that because there is more pressure so the life insurance company by suing us might have actually really helped us out by adding that pressure to get this done like i'm not gonna lie when i got that email at first it was a big oh fuck moment you know like what fresh hell is this right but then i was like hmm this could be useful so it adds pressure but it has been intense 
Um, and I have a lot of thoughts and opinions of what's gone on this month and just some other things. Again, there's some things I just kind of keep close to my chest for now because I just want to protect the integrity of what's going on, but I can't wait to share some real, real stuff in the hopefully near future. Although if it goes into interpleader, I'll probably, (laughs) I'll probably just reveal things then because at that point it'll just be in a whole new direction. But next week, I think we're going to get more into my background, my personal background. As I've shared before, I am adopted. It's just another layer to all my family and just all of our, you know, unique things we have going on. But I'm really excited to share my background and kind of my origin story with you all. And I really appreciate the listens and the messages of support. And so many people have reached out to me to check on me. And I just appreciate it so much. This has been like the weirdest time in my life. Well, one of the weirder times of my life, I should say. And I'm just really grateful for everyone who listens and spends time with me and Tony each week. And I'm not sure what shape this podcast will take in the future. So if you're, if you have any ideas, like we are listening. So again, thank you so much. And I am sorry for being behind on posting, but it's just been, been quite the rodeo lately. So we'll see what happens in the future, but thank you so much, everyone. Take care and have a good night.